acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joined by a brand new super producer, Alex Williams, nicknamed TBA. So write in and tell him hello and uh, give him a nickname if you wish. I know you, you probably didn't know that was going to happen, huh? No, he's shocked by the whole news. <laughs> uh, nick- so, nicknames come with a job. Right, right. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're, we're a little off the cuff. I guess you could say that we like to live dangerously, and that brings us to... Uh, Part of today's topic, but first, we have an announcement. Yeah, we've got an announcement, Ben. It's uh, it's time for the rally again. It's it's rally season. Yes, but not just any rally. We are talking about our friends over at Rally North America, who uh, we went on our first road rally ever uh, with with this organization. We went on something called the Ohio Valley. 700, where we drove through what, Scott, like seven states? I don't know. It felt like that. I mean, it was four, five, six, seven, something like that. It well, was a it was a long ride, 700 miles. But that's the thing. We were in Maryland for like like 14 or 20 minutes. Yeah, it was really short. I remember <laughs> that at that point. But uh, but we had a great time, mm-hmm. and uh, we documented our adventures. Mm-hmm. And we have a, an Amazon video that you can watch. It's about an hour long, uh, but shows, uh, you know, you, me, Casey, Noel on the road, and, uh, you know, all of the Rally North America group and how much fun we had and uh, all the different stops we made in historic sites and, uh, and locations. It was just a it was a great time and, last fall. And it was for a good cause, which I think is key. And it's part of the reason that we're making this announcement today, because the folks at Rally North America are back, ladies and gentlemen, with a different route this time. They always do a new route. Uh, it is the Rally Appalachia 2. Yeah, and it's going to start in uh, Christiansburg, Virginia, and uh, they're going to make a stop off at a couple of racetracks during this one. Now, this is happening, I think it's starting around July 10th, and it ends around the 14th of July. Right around the corner. Uh, yes, yeah, really happening. It's happening soon. Um, and one of the racetracks that they go to is Virginia International Raceway, which is a road course in Alton, Virginia. It's right near Danville. And uh, from there, they move on to North Carolina. They're going to be in the Great Smoky Mountains. 
um, Waynesville, North Carolina, then on to, and this is interesting, Ben, they're going to go on to Rome, Georgia again, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're going to end up there, but they're going to take a day trip down to the Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama. And that is where I'm going to meet up with Mr. Glenn Beck for a day at the track. That's right. Longtime listeners, you will recall uh, Glenn Beck, a longtime friend of the show and an active road rallier. Uh, He's he's the mastermind behind what we call Team Limer. Well, we call it that because it's his name. Uh, He's going to be driving his 2006 Legend Lime Mustang GT. And the beneficiary for this event is an organization called Hope for the Warriors. Yeah, Hope for the Warriors. And that's a charity that uh, they've worked for before. They've mm-hmm. donated to this this charity before. Um, it provides comprehensive support programs for service members, veterans, uh, military families that are focused on transition, health, wellness, peer engagement, connections to community resources, a lot of different things. It makes a big difference in returning veterans' lives. And they've already, at this point, raised over $67,000 uh, so they're two-thirds of the way to their goal of 100000 Yeah, that's right. And if you go to support.hopefortheWarriors.org and you can search for, uh, you know, the rally team that you want to donate to, you can you can make a little donation if you feel like it. We're not we're not saying that you have to, but if you feel like it, drop some drop some dollars over there. And, uh, of course, you know, search out Team Limer and see if you can maybe donate to that. And mm-hmm. you know what? One of the better ways to do that for Glenn's team probably is just go to his Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Go to the Team Limer Facebook page. And you can donate there. And, oh, Ben, we're leaving out maybe the biggest bit of information for uh, anybody who is maybe new to hearing this. That's right, Scott. Each of the first 40 donations in the amount of $100 or more made to any rally team is eligible for a raffle ticket for a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, 2004 Jeep Wrangler. Now, so it's a used vehicle, um, but for $100, if you donate 100 bucks, you can get a raffle ticket to win. Now, only 200 tickets will be sold, so your odds are really, really good. One in 200 they're going to win this thing. I'm in. I've already in, you know, made my $100 donation. Oh, yeah? I'm on the list. You can go check it out. I'm on the Team Limer's list of, of donors, and I'm hoping that I'm the one that they draw. But uh, you never know. One of our listeners could win, and I'd love it if they did. I've, yeah. I've seen the, the Jeep on the site, and it's a, a 2004 Jeep Wrangler X with a 4-liter, 6-cylinder engine. It's a 5-speed manual transmission. It's a one-owner vehicle that had no accidents. I mean, there's a history report that's on the Facebook page. Oh, by the way, if you do want to check out this Jeep ahead of time, you can go to the Facebook page, and it is, uh, oh, what is it called? I think it's called Jeep for the Warriors on Facebook. So if you search Jeep for the Warriors Facebook, you'll see a photo of this Jeep, and a couple of photos, and, and the history report and all that. Um, but again, it's never been modified, abused, anything like that. It has about 86,000 miles on it, and they say that, you know, that's subject to change a little bit if they drive it to any kind of... Um, a promotional uh, event. Yeah, exactly. Anything that has to do with the rally. So that's all they're using it for. Uh, but if you do choose to make a donation like that and you want to, of course, we're, you know, saying go to Team Limer's page and make the donation. Why not? <laughs> if uh, you know, But if you find another team or you know someone else on a different uh-huh. team, make a donation to their page, that's fine. But for 100 bucks, you get in on this rally. It's quite a deal. I, like I said, I'm into. I hope I'm hope I win it. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you do that and you make it to Glenn's page, make sure that you send him an, an, an email, and I'll tell you the information here. It's it's teamlimer at comcast.net, and that way he can make arrangements for your raffle ticket. And act now because the drawing is on Monday, July 10th. Uh, the the big thing about this, one of the reasons, ladies and gentlemen, that Scott is so excited about this is you do not have to physically be present to win. Yeah, that's one of those deals where you know you can just. 
you know, you pay your money, <laughs> you get the ticket in the mail, and then, uh, hey, I won. Hey, well, you could uh, flip the Jeep, man. You could uh, double your money. I'll, I'll take it off your hands for well, 200 Well, let me tell you something. I've seen it online, and it's it's definitely a Jeep that's worth keeping. This isn't like a, a, a scrap Jeep or something. Right. This is a, I've, I've seen photos of it. It's, it's actually pretty nice. It's yellow, so I might have to paint it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I've got the thing but, about yellow cars. You got to think about yellow well, cars? Well, yeah, this bright yellow. I mean, it's it's nice. It's really uh-huh. nice, but uh, we might have to make that thing black. I didn't know you had a yellow car thing. Well, I, I'm not crazy about bright yellow cars, like school bus yellow cars. You know, they call it the candy-coated I cars? Give, I give maybe, like, I might give supercars a pass in some cases. Yeah. Some of them. And not all of them, because not all of them look right in that bright yellow. But uh, but but this one, this Jeep, I think uh, it might have to make a trip to, um, what is that, Earl Scheib. So if you were out of town and we... <laughs> Earl Shut. That's a callback, right? I mean, <laughs> does he still do everything for like twenty nine ninety nine? I don't know. It's been a long time since uh, that reference. Probably like two twenty nine ninety nine now. Yeah, inflation, yeah. you know. But would you be uh would you be cool if you were away on vacation for a while or something, you came back and we had like painted your car yellow? <laughs> no. What if it was no, a good job? You know what? I gotta say like no, a tasteful yellow. You might you might see the uh, the other side of me. Uh, you wouldn't you you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, Bruce Banner. Uh, so to sum it up, visit rallynorthamerica.com where you can get all this information, all the details, along with the stops they make along the way. And uh, even if you're not part of the rally, if you just want to see some really awesome cars, they've got some pretty neat modifications. Sometimes people are even in, like, costumes. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy ride. It's fun. Yeah, it's a lot it's of fun. fun. But the, the cars all look like race cars. It's really, it's a fun event. And uh, when, when, when they're in town, it's kind of a spectacle. And yeah. uh, and it's really it's a good time. So it's good for yeah, it's good family fun, really. Mm-hmm. So Team Limer, RallyNorthAmerica dot com. Check them out. And uh, Glenn, of course, if you are listening, we hope you are. We would love to hear uh, some of your favorite moments after the rally's done. I mean, you guys are going to be meeting in person. Yeah. So uh, I guess I should be putting this on you, Scott. Oh, boy. I expect a full report. That is a lot of pressure with pictures. OK, I can do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, while we're doing that. Uh, let's return to uh, the segue so nice, I'm going to say it twice. We like to live dangerously, and this episode <laughs> is about danger. Yeah, about danger indeed. Uh, we're talking about if uh, motorcycles are really more dangerous than cars. It, <laughs> how about this? We just answer the question right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're more dangerous. So you can. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. No, it, it, there's a lot more to it than just sure. a simple yes-no answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, well, there's complexity to this issue, really, mm-hmm. and uh, and why why motorcycles might be more dangerous than cars. Um, and a lot of people, I think there are probably some people out there that feel that they're less dangerous than cars. Do you think? There, Yeah, there I may mean, be some people. There are definitely people who are more comfortable riding a motorcycle instead of driving, like, a, a large land yacht sedan. Well, you the, know? the stats won't back it up, but some people might swear that they're more safe on a motorcycle uh, than they are inside of a, a death trap car. So, yeah, let's explore, on the way, let's explore some of the statistics. We're also going to look at some safety technology. And I have sort of a bone to pick about what I would call uh, a biker stereotype or motorcycle stereotype. Okay. Because there are a lot out there, and not all of them are fair. Yeah. You know? Uh, But first things first, you know, there's a reason that, Bikers, motorcyclists, if you prefer that term, uh, gear up with leather and Kevlar before they hit the road. It's okay. Yeah, let's just get this out there. It looks super 
Can I say badass? Yeah, on, on, you, okay. you, you just did. Oh, all right. Sorry, Alex. Uh, so it looks it looks really cool, but it's not just decorative or ornamental. No, no, no. They have a. Of course, all that gear has a purpose, and you'll find that a lot of people don't you know don't suit up the way that they probably should. You know, mm-hmm. on on the road, you'll see people wearing flip flops and shorts and and you know uh, tank tops when they're riding down the road, or even no shirt at all. Uh, extremely dangerous. And some people choose not to wear a helmet. Uh, you know, in states that don't have helmet laws. In fact, I recently saw a study from. I can't remember the safety agency that it was, but it was talking about the effectiveness of helmets. You know, oh, if, yeah. if for people that, that choose to wear a helmet versus those that don't wear helmets in states that, you know, it's an option. So they found that in those states, uh, helmets are about 37% effective in preventing motorcycle deaths, which is 37%. That's incredible. Uh, just one piece of safety equipment and about 67% effective at preventing brain injury. So mm-hmm. even if you're not killed in the accident, uh, there's a 67% better chance that you're not going to have a brain injury if you wear a helmet. Um, the thing is, you know, as effective as that is, only 19 states and the District of Columbia have um, mandatory or mandated helmet laws right now. So right. that's kind of an interesting uh, situation because, you know, traveling across state lines, I guess you can decide if you want to leave it on or take it off at that point. Well, there's, a, you know, what I think is interesting about that is there is a state-by-state discrepancy, and let's let's not forget, we're going to constantly be comparing motorcyclists to car drivers yeah. or truck drivers. Sure. Uh, another example where there's, a, there's an interesting comparison is, I don't know if we've talked about this on air, but here in Atlanta, Georgia, where we are, of course, based for years... Uh, the seatbelt law did not apply to pickup trucks. Oh, do you right. remember that? I do. Was that a, that was because was it a senator? Maybe. Yeah, there was like one or state, congressman. There was one state congressman who drove a pickup truck and refused to have his seatbelt and thought the whole thing was a bunch of malarkey. Wouldn't pass any kind of legislation because of that one particular person. I, I, I wish I remembered that guy's name. Uh, but yeah, it was all about the one guy that didn't want to wear a seatbelt, and and it never went through until uh, until he was gone, until he was unseated. Right. But so those the there can be all sorts of reasons for those sorts of discrepancies. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, there's some. I mean, we'll talk about some similarities and some some uh, disadvantages later as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I one thing I do want to one thing I do want to say uh, is that we already start from a very, very, very fundamental difference. If you are hopping into a car, you are hopefully being enveloped in all sorts of safety technology specifically designed to mitigate your chances of death or injury. All you have to do is click the seatbelt. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in a steel cage already, right? So mm-hmm. that's a, that's already one benefit right there. You're not exposed to the elements. You're not exposed to everything. You're not, um, hopefully you're not going to get tossed out of there, as you said, if you if you click the seatbelt. Right. Uh, but also there's other things in modern cars that are that are keeping you inside that cage. You know, I mean, if, if you didn't have your seatbelt on, if you didn't have airbags, uh, there'd be a good chance that you're, you know, ejected from the vehicle. That happens in, in a lot of cases. Um, you know, if you're not wearing your belt, even with airbags, that can happen. You could still be thrown out of the vehicle. A lot of people have that idea oh, yeah. that they can't be thrown out if uh, if they're not wearing the seatbelt, but there are airbags, and that's not true either. You can you can be tossed out that way. But uh, but motorcyclists kind of start that way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, <laughs> their vehicle gets hit, and it's not funny. I mean, they get hit, and they're off the bike one way or another. Typically, I mean, unless they're just a simple laydown accident. But you know, you get struck from behind or something. Uh, you're going up onto the hood of the car behind you. So um, yeah, it's, it's dangerous all around. Even with 
helmets, right? Even with uh, appropriate riding gear, the fact of the matter is that motorcyclists face a much higher risk of a fatal crash. From 2013, uh, U.S. government data showed that for every mile traveled, the number of motorcycle-related deaths was 26 times. 26 times, Scott, the mm-hmm. number of car-related deaths. Yeah. And that gave us a total of more than 4,000 motorcycle fatalities. Now, this is from the article on our website, right? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. now that was uh, – those numbers, I believe, are from, what did you say, 2013? Uh, yeah. Okay, yep. I, I looked at the same site again recently and mm-hmm. found some 2015 numbers, so updated a little bit. And – Unfortunately, the situation just got worse. Lay it on me. A little bit worse. Uh, so you said in 2013, uh, the motor, number of motorcycle-related deaths was 26 times higher mm-hmm. uh, The car-related deaths. Now it's 27 times higher, mm-hmm. which brings the number of uh, 2015 motorcycle deaths up to 4,693. And so what we'd like to do is explore uh, some of the causes of this uh, and some of, as Scott said, the similarities and differences between, you know, your typical sedan, let's say, and a motorcycle. Yeah, the disadvantages. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they drive on the same roads. Mm -hmm. They can be equally powerful. They can both reach uh, very high rates of speed. Uh, But one one thing that's really uh, a pro and a con would be the weight ratios, right? The weight to power ratio. Yeah. The vast majority of cars... If you are at a stoplight and you are next to a motorcycle and you decide to race from a dead stop, you will get smoked. Yeah. Vast majority again. The vast majority. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not counting like, you know, McLarens. No. Motorcycles are quick. Motorcycles are super quick. They're very nimble. Mm -hmm. They have better handling. Yeah. uh, But they also, with each of those abilities, comes some significant drawbacks. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, I guess... Uh, well, there's a couple. I mean, there's, there's, uh, first, there, you need skill and smarts really to drive a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have good balance. Um, so that, you know, you, you're, uh, the responsibilities, I guess, when you jump on that bike, I mean, they're, they're, can you say that they're more than somebody who gets behind the wheel of a car? I don't know if you could say they're more. Um, but you have, there's more relying on you and your abilities mm-hmm. than there is in a car when you're just sitting and I guess you have, Boy, I'm talking myself into a corner on this one because <laughs> it still requires a, a pretty strong ability to drive a car in order to, to maneuver in traffic and you know, yeah. every situation. But I guess what I'm saying is that uh, you require an extra level of skill and expertise uh, to maneuver a motorcycle in this in those same situations. Heck, man, just to hop on a motorcycle because you're you're balancing on two <laughs> wheels instead of four. Well, that's true. The engine is between your legs. Yeah. Uh, or you know what I mean, roughly, uh, you're directly atop the engine sure. many times. So you have to have quick reflexes, you have yeah. to have balance, you have to have uh, skill and ability and knowledge and all that. And you have to you have to be uh, mindful of everything around you because, you know, it's really difficult for, you know, a, a, the driver of a car to see a driver of a motorcycle. I mean, it's, it's really hard. I know the old saying is the, you know, loud pipes save lives. Uh, but honestly, you don't really hear that sound until they're either next to you or past you anyways. And a lot of people, and a lot of people driving in a car are going to have the windows up. They're going to have music or, dare I say, a podcast playing. So it might be difficult to hear. But this brings me to one of the motorcycle stereotypes that I would like to bust after a word from our sponsor. Hello, Clay 
Random comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And Ben, you said you wanted to uh, to break up a stereotype. You wanted to bust that stereotype. What is it? Yeah. Okay. So where I grew up, there were uh, a lot of a lot of bikers, really genuinely good people who uh, who just want to get out on the open road. You know what I mean? Sure. Pack a pack a sleeping bag and drive out through the desert and just crash in the elements. A poor choice of words. Uh, camp in the elements and. One one of the stereotypes that I see a lot of people who are, uh, you know, anti-motorcycle or anti-bikers, one of the stereotypes I see uh, these people constantly having is they will completely forget about the 99 very responsible bikers that they see who are obeying traffic laws, who are driving uh, 
aware of their surroundings and very, very carefully, and they will only remember the one person who was, you know, ducking and weaving uh, and and showing out, essentially. Uh, because of that stereotype, I think a lot of times bikers get treated unfairly. There's no way around this fact. And it's a fact that a lot of people forget. No matter how aware, no matter how professional, no matter how responsible a biker is, forces beyond their control exist and bad car drivers are often the cause of a crash. Yeah, sure. Happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, sure. Car pulls out in front of a motorcycle. There's nothing mm-hmm. they can do. But then again, you know, is it that the, the car can't see the motorcycle because they're going too fast? They, they weren't in that lane half a second ago. I mean, there's a, there's a, so many different factors in every single crash. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to analyze each one as an, take it as an individual case well, and look at it that way. But you're right. Most get the bad rap for the ones that do cause the problem. It's, and, the, it's the old bad apple thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't want to paint with uh, broad strokes here, but I do, I do want to emphasize that, you know, when, when you are on the road, whatever you are driving, and a lot of people hate thinking about this, especially in traffic jams, you are responsible for your vehicle and your behavior as a driver, but you are also, to a degree, responsible for every other vehicle around you, to be aware of them, to even do your best to prevent an accident if they're driving like a, like a jerk, mm-hmm. which happens a lot here in Atlanta. Yeah. But a person's life is not worth feeling that you... Uh, you know, what, won, the, won, yeah. won that situation? Right. I mean, you were the winner? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's not worth it. You're right. I mean, everybody gets wrapped up in that though. There's mm-hmm. a point where you know you're you're not going to let that person cut in front of you, or you know you you put on your brakes a little bit to annoy the person that's you know too close to your bumper, something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, again, don't mess around with stuff like that. It's just not worth it. But but you're right. One you know one bad apple can ruin the whole bunch. Really, is that mm-hmm. the, is that the saying? That's it sounds like I'm talking about bananas. <laughs> I always get these sayings messed up, don't I? Like, let's see, um, see, a bushel of apples? I don't know, one potato in a barrel of something? I I don't know, I'm awful with these. One bad badger can ruin the zoo? But anyway, so the majority of bikers are doing the right thing, and they're they're obeying the laws, and they're obeying, you know, the the rules of the road, and and really, not a lot happens, but you hear about the bad situations. Now, I, I gotta tell you, though, I don't know if I know a single motorcycle rider that hasn't had an accident. You know anybody of some sort of some sort either, you know, maybe they were going around a corner and, uh, you know, there's some grass out on the street or something. They slipped in that or gravel or sand or something Cots like that. Road rash. Yeah, something like that. You know, it could be something, you know, small like that or it could be a, a major accident or mm-hmm. even several major accidents. Uh, my brother has had several major accidents oh, on yeah. his bike and he still rides. Um, I don't know. It just seems like every single person that I've ever known that has a motorcycle has at some point had an accident. You know, when I'm thinking back on my friends who are bikers, most of the things that I can recall, like the the really bad ones, uh, one was one was due to driving conditions. I think it was a hard turn on slick pavement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the other ones were actually, you know, drivers of a pickup truck or drivers of a a larger SUV, and it goes back to what you were saying, visibility is a real issue. Yeah, sometimes they're, they crash in reaction to, you know, a poor choice made by a driver of a four-wheel vehicle. Mm-hmm. One thing that we should mention, Ben, is that the manufacturers of motorcycles are, are semi-limited, maybe, mm. in 
the amount of technology they can put into motorcycles that make them safer for the riders. I almost want to say they're almost at a standstill, really, with stuff like this, because they can't throw in the lane detection devices, and they can't throw in, um, you know, the, um, oh, what do they call it, the um, the radar sonar for the mm-hmm. uh, uh, cruise control. Yeah. Uh, they can't do stuff like that that they can in automobiles, and they're continually just loading cars with safety technology, whereas motorcycles, I mean, there's a few little things here and there, but um, for the most part, they're kind of at a standstill, so they don't necessarily market next year's bike is safer than this year's bike. They don't, they don't really say that. Ah, but there is good news. There are, there are very, very smart manufacturers working around the clock to make uh, biking safer. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's some incredible advances. And maybe we should talk about those advances after a word from our sponsor. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. 
Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And we have returned. So we always like to end on a future note or find the, the positive side of things. And, of course, we started hard on the statistics, Scott, some very grim and grisly data. But now we're going to talk about some of the improvements that manufacturers are making, uh, and some of these may surprise you. Yeah, and one interesting thing is that we're going to talk about stuff that's not necessarily uh, from the bike manufacturers. Right. It's from yeah. other people that are doing things that can make riding a bike safer. So uh, there's some really interesting technology that's out there. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, just leave I, it at that. I'll start, with, uh, I'll start with one here that a lot of people might not notice because it's invisible to the naked eye. Electronic throttle control, hmm. ride-by-wire technology. Okay. Uh, it makes turning the throttle an electric mechanism rather than a cable-driven one. So instead of the rider having uh, direct one-to-one control over the engine, which can lead to stalls or losses of control, this sends an electric signal from the throttle to an ECU, and that takes into account how much throttle or engine power the rider wants, compares it to the current speed and the speed of the bike, and so it calculates... Mm-hmm. how to more precisely apply throttle. You know, I am not a biker. You are not a biker. But I also understand uh, a lot of my old school friends want to keep stuff as as purely mechanical as possible. Mm-hmm. So I can understand how someone might not like electronic throttle control. But from the angle of uh, predictability and uninterrupted power supply, this is great. Sure. It's more, you think it's more reliable? It's, it seems to be hmm. just because, you know, just because if you can limit human error, then you're also going to, I would argue, limit uh, likelihood of certain crash situations. Yeah, I think you're right. But then someone else is going to say, and this is just the, you know, the uh, devil's advocate. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Devil's advocate side is that, uh, you know, it's another electronic thing to break, really. I mean, that you can't fix yourself, that type of thing. So those arguments are always going to be there. It's same with cars, right? Yeah, I'm I'm the one making those arguments mm-hmm. like half the time. Well, yeah, that's why the, um, you know, the automotive purists will say, you know, like, of course, you're going to have a cable connection between you know, the carburetor <laughs> and, and the pedal inside the car. Right. Yeah. So, the, I mean, going way back, I guess. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be people that uh, that that want the advancement and others that don't want the advancement. And some of those things come about with like, you know, headlights, you, yeah. know, uh, you know, projector beam headlights or mm-hmm. LED headlights, taillights that are more visible, uh, different types of turn signals that are more visible to drivers. I mean, and there are several other things, too, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, motorcycle headlights because there are also adaptive motorcycle headlights made by a couple manufacturers. One is JW Speaker, and it's pretty neat what they do. So as a motorcycle leans into a curve, uh, sensors on the headlight calculate the angle of the lean and use it to determine where to direct the light. Oh, cool. That's that's way different than on a car system. Yeah, that is way different. It kind of reminds me of... The center, the third headlight on a Tucker mm-hmm. that would also turn with the wheel. Yeah, I mean, there's a few versions of that. I think that, mm-hmm. that you know, lights turn slightly. Uh, you know, to me, it's kind of like like a cornering light, really. Yeah, uh, that's the idea. Uh, but it seems like on a motorcycle, if you're actually if you're dipping the bike down one way or the other, the light would have to move in a couple of different directions. It wouldn't just right. go left or right. It would go you know like left and up a little bit, mm-hmm. or you know right and up a little bit. Yeah, we need um, a large range of motion. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that's a cool idea. That's a neat neat and. Uh, advancement i guess and i i have one more there there are a bunch of things like this um i i have one more though that 
I'm on the fence about. And I want to know what you think, Scott. I want to know what you think, ladies and gentlemen. AR, augmented reality, mm-hmm. uh, having the turning the helmet and the visor of the helmet into its own interface, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so like a heads-up display mm-hmm. on the inside of your visor. Right, right, right. Mm, I don't know. Are you for it or against it? I, you know what? It works for fighter pilots, right? It does work for fighter pilots, but my question, but like fighter pilots are typically not going to be playing the radio yeah. while they're doing this. They're uh, they're also not going to be in like fighter pilot traffic. No, that's times, true. Okay, so know? it's there's a big difference between uh, what a a motorcycle rider would see inside a, a helmet display from what I've seen anyways, mm-hmm. versus a, a car heads-up display, which is one where you, you know, don't have to move your eyes quite as far down to see the gauges, the dials. Right, right. And before anybody writes in, uh, when I say fighter pilot traffic, I mean multiple planes trying to go to different locations. Flying in formation is totally different. <laughs> so oncoming fighter plane traffic. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, which goes back to our uh, long-standing uh, conversation about flying cars. Well, what would be the flying car version of a uh, Honda Odyssey for you? Hmm. I mean, because like, imagine someone tying you up at, uh-huh. uh, at fighter pilot speed. Oh man, what would that be? Someone who's uh, you got their blinker on. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's it's a ridiculous thought. I understand, but, uh, but they they turn left out in front of you. Uh, you know, on the main, <sighs> on the main road from the from the mall there or something. Mm-hmm. Um. From what, the sky what, would that, what would that plane be? Maybe a Cessna gets in the way. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, I see something like a, <laughs> a a large scale hauler. You know, maybe a large bomber. Yeah, maybe there's a, maybe there's a plane out there that people kind of like think think you know when they see it they're like oh that's one of those here we plane. go yeah I bet there is it's gonna, it's gonna be trouble I'm pretty sure there is I, I'm gonna be <laughs> thinking about that looking up some planes but this this argument is pretty interesting because we know that. A lot of entertainment amenities in modern vehicles, despite being, despite emphasizing safety, a lot of these things can become very powerful forces of distraction mm-hmm. in a car, right? To take a, the minivan example, you know, when, when there are a bunch of televisions that pop down, entertain the kids or entertain the passengers, but they can also be distracting to the driver. Sure. Of course and, they are. And it's the same thing, you know, that can happen with, with radio or with um, the ability to make calls from the car's system, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is I think is super cool, and if you use it responsibly, it shouldn't be a problem. Should we put the same stuff in motorcycles? Mm-hmm. You know, and one one thing that's really interesting about this is that uh, there's a helmet called the AR1 uh, that's made by the startup in Silicon Valley. It has a rear-facing camera that projects a live feed into the rider's, you know, field of view so they can see what's happening behind them too without having to lean for the side mirror or turn around. Mm-hmm. But we go back to the original question, right? Is that more of a benefit or is it more of a distraction? Oh, man, that would take a lot of time to get used to that, wouldn't it, to have that in your field of view? Yeah. To see that happening? Because, um, I, I mean, you're already limited, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. don't have the full range of view that you do in a car when you're not wearing a helmet. Uh, you're restricted in some way. So to add, uh, you know, a window or an area that um, I'm sure that it's, you know, you're able to see through it as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, to see that motion or that uh, that activity in the corner or wherever it appears, that's got to be difficult. I would think that take a long time on the road to uh, just kind of adjust. 
Yeah. And I would wonder what the learning curve is on that. Yeah. You know, but uh, there's something even more important that you hipped me to that I thought was really cool. Well, these are uh, there's a couple of things, really, that, that I think people are probably you know wanting us to talk about that, you know, have, have we've neglected to this point. And there's a, there's a reason because we want to finish on this. There's a new technology. Uh, well, OK, you know what? Maybe I should back this up. I shouldn't say it's new because Honda has kind of been doing this since about 2006. And they've been developing this for decades prior. So. Right. Here's the deal. We're talking about motorcycle airbags. And the idea is kind of funny. I mean, it, it, it works. It really does work. And we'll get to how it works in a, in a moment. But, you know, in a motorcycle, we, we haven't really touched on this either, that motorcyclers don't wear seatbelts because they're probably safer if they're thrown off the vehicle. Probably. Right, right. Which is counterintuitive when you're talking about a car. You'd rather stay with the car than get thrown from the car. But on a motorcycle, it's probably better to be thrown away from the vehicle or at least stay a, a short distance away from the vehicle. Um, in the event of a crash, because that thing is spinning around at whatever mm-hmm. rate could, you know, clock you in the head or something. In the 1970s is when they began work on airbags. And it wasn't until 2006 that Honda came out with the Goldwing that had a an airbag that was mounted on the uh, on the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, you know, you you wear or anything like that. It's something on the motorcycle. And the sensors are located in the front forks. And this only works in a, a front impact. You know, if somebody were to pull out in front of you and you were to contact the side of the vehicle or, you know, the front of the vehicle, whatever. Or if you got rear-ended, um, it well, wouldn't you, work. I don't think it would. No, I don't think it would have a purpose at that point. So it it, um, it opens from, I guess, right, right in front of the, the rider, like where the chest uh, their chest would be, where the gauges are and the, you know, the windshield and all that. Because mm-hmm. the Goldwing is a big bike. It's a big, uh, like, a, I don't know what they call those, a big road touring bikes maybe or what mm-hmm. are they, the big comfy ones. They look like a... <laughs> You're almost in like a big seat as you're going down right, the, right, uh, right. the road. You can you can watch video of these things, you know, um, deploying, and they're very effective at at stopping the rider from going over the handlebars if they hit something from the front. Um, all other directions that they're if they're contacted from, it doesn't really do a whole lot of good. It doesn't mm-hmm. uh, stop them from anything except going into that vehicle or over the handlebars rather. But they've developed this even farther now. So you know, it took again 25 years to get to that point, and yeah. Honda's been doing it ever since, and. There's another kind of, well, an interesting development, but I think it's been around for, again, 10, 15 years at this point, but they're still working on it. They're still, uh, you know, getting new product out there. And this is airbags that the riders wear inside the uh, the jackets and the, the suits that they wear. And a lot of them have to do with protection of the head and the neck and the shoulders area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not all of them. Some of them are uh, like chest uh, airbags that inflate underneath the uh, the vest that you wear. Um, it, it's really pretty cool to watch. You can see all the different versions of this out there. There's maybe four or five or six different versions of it. And I've seen some crazy prototype versions, and I'll tell you about one in a minute, but right. maybe the silliest one I've seen. Um, I don't know how effective this would be. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so again, they started working on these, uh, these kind of like collars that would appear from beneath the, uh, the collar of the jacket when, uh, an impact was sensed. Like, and, and that might be, um, via a uh, a keyed system that sort of like you know on a jet ski when you put a key into the um the ignition and it has a coiled right so like, it turns off if you fall off the exactly jet ski. so the jet ski doesn't leave you and go across the lake right so <laughs> right. same idea but this is that if you have left the seat of the bike quickly uh you know in, in an impact this thing activates and when it pulls that when the key pulls this uh this little I guess it's maybe a key that activates the, a canister of CO2 in the in the vest yeah uh it inflates it and it could be a collar, as I said, that, you know, expands around the shoulders and the neck mm-hmm. and the uh, and the head area. 
or it could just be a vest that goes around the entire torso area and, of course, shoulders as well. Uh, but it's all underneath the protective gear, I should say, so that when, you know, you do fall off the bike and then you land on the ground or rocks or, you know, fence or another car or whatever, uh, you've got this barrier between your body and whatever that object is. And it stays inflated for a couple of seconds, uh, which is usually enough for the, you know, the, the complete accident to kind of play mm-hmm. itself out, the uh, the energy to disperse enough that um, things have calmed down. You've either stopped rolling or whatever, and uh, it, it uh, slowly deflates. There's a pressure relief valve that allows the air to exit, but it stays inflated long enough to protect you uh, as you're hopefully as you're flying through the air. So it doesn't. It doesn't stay permanently inflated. Is that because of a risk of internal injury? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think it's maybe because um, they don't want you trapped in a bad position again also. Because like, oh, I, I think it's restrict- yeah. it becomes more restrictive. I imagine. Uh, you know, that it, when it's inflated. Um, and it plus, plus it's putting a lot of pressure on your body because it's a tight-fitting thing to begin with. Right. When you add, uh, you know, um, an air bladder to that, mm-hmm. you can imagine how tight that garment must feel. It must really compress, compress your body, but it's a thin but really highly pressurized barrier between you and whatever you're going to hit. You know, I'm clumsy enough, and maybe you are too, fellow listeners, uh, I'm clumsy enough that I could just wear one of these. <laughs> and you'd have to hold it, maybe you could hold it, and when you've sensed yourself going over, you just rip that out so that it inflates. <laughs> well, there's some really cool videos of, uh, of race. Of course, racers wear this, you know, sure, uh, and yeah. Grand, Grand Prix racers will wear them. You can see accidents online on YouTube or wherever if you search uh, where different types of uh, vests have inflated or these collars that I'm talking about, those have inflated. Uh, you can see test videos, which are, uh, I'll tell you, a couple of the test videos are a little bit silly in that, like, one of the collars that I saw was a, it almost looked like um, like football shoulder pads that inflated, except they added something around the neck that went up a little bit higher. Right. And uh, when they're testing it for, you know, the press or whoever was there, the guy rolls off the bike, and he it seemed like he uh, may have rolled a few extra times for, you know, emphasis. Put but, on the show. Yeah, but um, but the point is made that, you know, it's it, it definitely protects, you know, your head, neck, shoulders, and uh, even your torso to some degree. Now, the, the funniest one that I've seen, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. I, I was watching some, some videos last night of, of these in action, and uh, this guy puts on this big orange suit, and it almost looks like, um, a suit like a, you know, somebody who's going parachuting would wear. Okay. So it's a big baggy full body suit and really like almost like uh like a silk material, uh, but very, very loose. So you don't think of loose fitting material when you're talking about a motorcycle. Right? No. Typically. Um, but this guy gets on this motorcycle and it's an animation, gets on the motorcycle and, uh, and rides down the road a little bit. You know, wouldn't you know it, Ben, two turns into his ride, falls off the bike. You know, something <laughs> happens. He, he falls off the bike. I don't know if someone pulls in front of him or whatever. Right. But as he's on his way over the handlebars, this the suit inflates to where he looks like an orange, like a a huge ball. Yeah, and it completely envelops his body. I mean, so it's like the suit is like a um, an, I don't know, an eight foot in diameter ball that's filled with air. And then he goes like just tumbling down the road in this in this in this ball of air, uh-huh. uh, this big orange ball. Yeah, and uh, as he's laying there on the ground, it slowly deflates, and he you know stands up like nothing's wrong. Like, uh, like it's, he's totally saved. Now it's, of course, it's just an animation right. and it's an idea. It's a theory. It's a proof of concept. It is, but it, it looks so ridiculous when you see it happen. And then you think, well, yes, you know, for a second you think, Hey, that's a pretty good idea. And then you think, well, there's a lot of situations where that would be pretty bad. Right. Especially in like a heavy traffic situation. If there's still oncoming traffic and or oncoming vehicles rather, and you're rolling across lanes of interstate. Yeah. Cause he, he went. A significant distance before he stopped. Now, it wasn't like, you know, a mile or anything. It was just down the road. But 
it seems like, yeah, you, you'd want to come to a, a halt quicker than that, it seems. But uh, I don't know. It's an interesting idea, maybe. Uh, check it out online and see what you think. But uh, I, I found it just a bit ridiculous. <laughs> but, of course, I think we can all agree it is uh, better to uh, look ridiculous than uh, have to sit in a hospital for months recuperating. Yeah, or not may even make it to the hospital. Or not make it to the hospital. Uh, so we hope that you enjoyed this examination of the some of the stereotypes, some of the safety technology, and some of the statistics behind uh, the world of biking. And if you are a biker, we'd like to hear your stories. What were some of your favorite rides? What are you riding now? You know, some of your favorite road trips. Tell us what we're wrong about, because we're not bikers. <laughs> we should have said that up front. We said that we, we said that part way through. Yeah, maybe we covered ourselves enough. I think we've put in enough disclaimers like, hey, you know, um, it's just the way I see it, but, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. And so for uh, nicknames for our new super producer, that's one thing I wanted to cover. Uh, Alex Airbags, William? <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh Oh, we're getting a shrug. It's a fifty-fifty. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna give that some uh, thought, and let's, we will be back next week. Let's defer to our listeners, How and about let's that? defer to you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before we come back next week, in the meantime, uh, write to us and uh, let us know what you think a cool nickname for our new producer would be. Uh, and also, if you'd like to check out some of our other podcasts that we have done on the subject of biking and even on safety technology uh, we have good news you can find every single episode on our website carstuffshow.com but wait as Billy Mays was wont to say there's more you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter and if you'd like to take a page out of Glenn Beck's book and write to us with a topic that you think your fellow listeners would enjoy learning about in the future, we are all ears. Or I guess in this case, eyes. Write to us. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.